You look great today. You know why? (laughs) I asked. Because you're together with people that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt God has brought together for such a time as this. Today we're going to look at two more Christmas carols briefly as we finish up our series on the depth and the richness of some of our favorite Christmas songs. Now, we haven't sung either of these songs this morning. One, because I'm told they're hard to sing. And two, because we can't sing them all and we got to get through as many as we can. And if we miss out on Silent Night, we'll hear about it. But I want to start today by reminding us of what was written in this great prayer that is the depth of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. If you look at your sermon notes, if you've got a bulletin today, you'll notice you've got some blanks. And I bet you, you don't need me to figure out what goes in each of those blanks. This is a very simple but life-changing message. But here's the thing. If you flip it over, you see the lyrics to two songs. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and The Little Drummer Boy. And so as you look at those, I want you to refer to one specific verse of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I want you to think about the fact that whoever's writing this is looking around at the world and seeing that things aren't the way they could be. He's longing for more. And in that line, he says that God would bring warring nations together and bring all people to his peace. And it's if he's crying out, reminding us of who, let's just imagine that's a dove. Representing the Holy Spirit, God, with us. And you see, is the writer of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, he's praying, God, remind us that it is not you that just brings peace. You are our peace. I don't know what Christmas brings to you. I can't possibly imagine all of the emotions that go into Christmas for different ones of you. Some of you have lost a loved one this year or or in years previous, and Christmas brings those feelings to the surface. Well, I want to tell you today, God is with you. He's not asking you to run away from those feelings. He's saying, I will walk with you through them. Some of you feel like God has forgotten you. And I'm here today to say, Emmanuel says... I haven't forgotten you. You just might not see me right now. And I'll explain what he means there in a few moments. Others of you said, look at me. I got it all figured out. Now, you wouldn't say that out loud, but you're really proud of yourself. You're successful. You've got the great everything you expected and wanted, and things are great. And God has been put put off to the side. To you, I would say, God is still with you. Though you have forgotten him, he has not forgotten you. And in the midst of all of that, we see one eternal truth. Christmas, the very truth of Jesus Christ, God becoming man and making his dwelling among us, teaches us that God is a relational God. He loves humanity. He intended to create humanity And he continuously invites us to come back to himself. And so for Christmas Day, or Christmas Eve as actually is today, we're going to look at what does Emmanuel mean? Now most of us know the word. 
If you've grown up singing the Christmas carols, you know what Emmanuel means. What does it mean? God with us, right? Yeah. But when I look around at the world and we love to sing this song or we love to hear it on the radio or on uh, satellite or whatever, and I look around and I think people seem awfully empty for knowing that God is with us. People seem awfully anxious for knowing that God is with us. People seem awfully concerned about a great number of things when Jesus says, here I am and I'm easy, just follow with me. And I want to give you a picture of what this would have looked like to the early believers. Even before they knew to believe in Jesus, they knew they were believing and trusting in God. And there's no greater picture of this than what 364 days a year we know as the other Joseph the one that was called to raise Jesus Christ. And the angel comes to him in Matthew chapter 1, and he says these words. He's talking about Mary. He's saying, oh yeah, Mary's going to be pregnant, and it's not yours. Big surprise, number one. But listen to what he says here. He says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. We baptize nine people over there that are celebrating, that want the world to know they have been saved from their sins. Are they sinless? No, we do continue to sin, but our sins are forgiven. And we've been set free from the mark of death and condemnation that was placed on us. And that came through a savior, through only one person who could save us from our sin. And his name is Jesus. But the angel doesn't stop there. He keeps going. He excitedly says, he quotes another passage, just in case Joseph didn't remember where this would come from. He goes back, and it's as if he's saying to Joseph, hey, buddy, remember 740 years ago, that guy Isaiah? He wrote something. You should think about that as I tell you that your future wife is going to give birth to the Son of God. And what does he remind Joseph of? All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet, that prophet's name was Isaiah. The virgin will conceive. Those don't match up. We can talk forever about that. Only God can do a miracle like that, let alone fulfilling all of the prophecies in the Old Testament that are pointing to the person of Jesus Christ. And she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, let's say it together, God with us. So here's what I want you to do today. I want to make sure that everybody remembers this. Look to the person next to you and say, God is with you. Okay, now flip and go to the other side and say it again. God is with you. Okay, good. Now, let me me take a survey. Have any of you felt stressed this Christmas season? Any stress in the room? Yeah? Some of us feel anxious at Christmas. But as we look at the picture that we have here, when Joseph is being reminded of the promise to Israel, to the very people of God, 700 years before, he's doing it by reminding them of what we are already to know. God has not forgotten us. He is with us. And so as you go through a season like Christmas or any number of seasons in your life, 
you're invited to bask in the confidence that the most powerful God in all of creation and bigger than creation of all eternity is with you. Emmanuel means God is with you. So how do we understand that? Most of you, yeah, we could say God is with me, just like uh, I know a bunch of students had exams this past week, and I'm pretty sure most of them right before the exam said, God, help me, even though I didn't study, even though I spent all my time on Snapchat, Lord, help me now, because I expect this of you. And that's kind of how we treat God. We treat God an awful lot like Santa. God, give me. I want my stuff, right? And when he does, we're super happy. God was with me when he gave me that parking spot. But when he doesn't, God, how could you not bump me up to business class? The struggle is real. And you see, we begin to feel entitled. We begin to have these expectations that says to God, God, fit in my box. There's a, a TV show on, the, on late night in America and it's hosted by a guy named Jimmy Kimmel. And every Christmas for the past six years, he has given a sweeping declaration out to those that watch that are parents of young children. He says, I want you to do something for me this Christmas. I want you to wrap up one gift for your child early for Christmas. And I want you to say, we're going to open one really early. Wouldn't that be awesome, kids? If your family said you can open one gift early. But there was a trick. Jimmy says to the parents, find the worst gift you can possibly find and wrap it up and then videotape their response when they open that gift. It is cruelly hilarious to see some of the reactions. And one of my favorites was a mom had wrapped up a half-eaten sandwich and she handed it to her daughter and her daughter's like, you don't even love me enough to give me the whole thing. And their, their whole expectations have just been destroyed. They expected the newest Nintendo or PS whatever or I whatever or doll or Hatchimal is the thing this year, I think. And instead, apparently I'm wrong. And instead, they were given what they perceived as junk. And that sounds an awful lot like our perception of who Jesus is. The people of Israel expected Jesus to come as a king. And he is king of the world. There is no disputing that, that he is in control and he has a plan. But the expectations of the people of Israel were that he would conquer earthly kingdoms. And he was busy conquering sin and death for all eternity and humanity. Their expectations were different than the picture they were given of the Messiah. The picture they were given of the Messiah was best explained by the Apostle Paul when he said, our attitude should be just like Jesus. We don't consider equality with God something to be grasped. But what we do, Jesus took on the very nature of a man, the nature of a servant. And he brought people to himself. And so we, understanding that God is with us, are given a picture of God is with us as a servant that seeks to save a broken and confused and lost world. Wherever you are right now, 
Mike doesn't just want you to know. AIC doesn't just want you to know. God wants you to know he's with you. You are not forgotten. And so for just a moment, we're going to look at the three tenses of what it means. English, for fun, because you all love it so much, of what it means that God is, was, and will be with us. You see, he is with you right now. And in no better picture do we have than Joseph's soon-to-be wife, Mary. And the angel comes to him in Luke chapter 2, or Luke chapter 1, and the angel went to her and he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. I love that greeting. I want to start using it. Because it sounds so formal and just happy. You who are highly favored. And so already Mary, who's likely in that 12 to 16-year-old range, is like, what's going on? What are you saying? Who are you? Why are you here? You know those teenage responses? The meh, this is different. But listen to what the angel says. You who are highly favored, before I get to the details, you need to know this. The Lord is is with you. Hey, Mary, everything in your world is about to change in big ways. People are going to call you names. They're going to call you a cheater on that good guy, Joseph. They're going to accuse you of infidelity. They're going to not understand that your baby is different. You're going to have to give birth to him in the most uncomfortable place I can think of. You're going to have to watch your son suffer and die for sins he didn't commit. Before any of that, what is Mary reminded of? The Lord is with you right now. What kind of stuff is going on in your life? What kind of things are you facing right now? To you, I say, you are highly favored because you were made in the very image of God. And he says, it is not my will that any of you should perish. What does that tell me? It's that the invitation is for all mankind. Wherever you are in life, Jesus says, come back to me and I am with you right now. You've suffered loss. He is your parakletos, your comfort, the one that walks next to you. Sometimes we forget that, that he's walking alongside us. Other times, if you go to just about, it seems like any Christian home in America, and they seem to be putting them often in a bathroom, which I find strange. But you'll find this little plaque. And the title of the plaque says, Footprints in the Sand. And you'll read this long poem, or it feels long to me because I've read it so many times in so many bathrooms. But what it says is that you've gone through all these difficulties in life and you wondered, where was God? And not until the very end do you realize that the reason there's only one set of footprints in the sand is because God was carrying you through all that time. You just didn't notice he was with you. So today I'm inviting you to notice that God is at work. Do you want proof? Look at the nine lives that just says, I want the world to know that I am his. Baptism does not save you. Baptism is a declaration that I am identified with Jesus Christ. And I want the world to know I am his disciple. So if you haven't been baptized, I got to ask why. Let's do it. If you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, he says, get baptized. But for us, for all of us, what I want us to remember is that if Mary faced all that she faced, 
and after the birth of her son could ponder all all these things in her heart and give glory to God who is in heaven? You should read it. It's called Mary's Song. It's in the next chapter of Luke. And she does all that. How are our reactions, our attitudes, and our disposition through whatever we face in life reflecting the truth that God is with us? Or are we showing that God, I need to be in control of this and I want it my way? There's a famous Christmas song that my family loves to mock me with because about 10 years ago I'd just grown kind of weary of it and it's called Mary Did You Know? Yeah, she did. Mary knew that the Lord was with her. Do you? Which brings up the second point. But Mike, you don't understand. The Lord is with me now, but, but see, he couldn't, he couldn't love somebody like me. Or why did he let all those things happen to me in the past? Well, that's why we need to understand that God was with you. You could also put in here, he has always been with you. And again, this is the only time of the year where I need to make a clarification and say, you need to think now of the other Joseph, the one back in Genesis. Okay? You remember the story of Joseph and his amazing dream coat? The coat of many colors. And he, uh, some of you got that. And he walked, the, he walked around and he'd been given at an early age these dreams and these visions. And so as a young man that was proud that God was going to do something with his life, he got an ego and he became arrogant. And he began to tell people, look at me. You're all going to bow down to me. You're going to have to be subject to me. Now, if any of you've had brothers, especially older brothers... How do you think that went? It did not go well. It ended up with Joseph literally ending up in a well and being sold into slavery with his father being told, oh, the lions got him. And he was forgotten. And if I'm Joseph, I'm thinking, woe is me. This was not what I expected. It's not fair. But that's not the picture we get of Joseph at all. We get of a man continuing to do the right things, a man of integrity. When people ask him to sin, he goes the other way and walks with integrity. And as we read the testimony of Joseph's life, we get to Genesis 39. And while Joseph was sitting in prison, the Lord was with him. Joseph didn't know how the story was all going to end. He had an idea, but surely he must have thought to himself, how is this all going to work? Wherever you find yourself, whatever happened in the past, it's okay to ask God, God, I don't know why you let me go through this. I betrayed you. You feel like he's betrayed you. And he says, what you thought would be used for bad, for evil, I can redeem that. I can use that for good. Maybe right now there's people in your lives that have hurt you, that have wounded you, that have treated you unfairly and unjustly. Could God be drawing you to depend on him in that time, reminding you that he's been with you? Could he be using that circumstance to draw you into dependence on himself? Maybe you've just made horrible mistakes. Maybe you've done things that you wouldn't even want to speak out. And maybe he's teaching you that you can learn from those, that those don't define you, but you can be set free because of Jesus. God was with you, 
and he will lift you out and he will move you forward. That's what repentance is, turning and going the other direction, being lifted out. And so we learn that God has always been with us even if we've run away from him. And when we get a sight of his light, he says, come on back. And then one more thing he says that's pretty obvious for us is God will be with you. Read the verse. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers. So what he's saying, in case you're confused, is nothing. Say that with me. Nothing. That did not sound convinced. Is God with us? Yes. If God is with us, if A is to be true, then B must therefore be true as well. If God is with me, nothing can separate me from the love of God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. What can separate us from the love of Jesus? Is God with you? Yes. Emmanuel means? God does not take vacations. I've often visited people in the hospital, and it's a word the Lord gave to me a few years ago as I read through my favorite psalm, Psalm 121, that reminded me that it is the Lord who neither slumbers nor sleeps. And I remembered at that moment then visiting a sick person and just saying, God doesn't rest so that we can. We find rest in him. Jesus himself comes to us and says, find rest in me. He will always be with us. If we've turned left instead of going straight, he brings us back. If we tried to do it our own way, he brings us back. If we've told him to meet our expectations like those kids that are devastated when they didn't get the right gift, he brings us back. He's telling you, you don't have to measure up to me because you're already measured up because of what Christ has done. You're already justified for those of you in Christ. Now, follow Jesus. He will be with you. He doesn't promise it'll always be easy. He promises nothing can separate you from his love. Do we believe that? Yeah. Well, then it charges us to remember that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And look at what the writer John says here. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one, the Lord God, who is with us, who was with us, and who is to come, always with us. The Almighty Lord. We talked about Jesus as Lord a couple weeks ago. So how do we respond? If God has been with me, even when I don't understand or acknowledge him, if God's with me right now in whatever I'm facing, if I'm to accept that that is true, if I'm to accept that I can be confident in where he's leading because he'll always be with me, how do we respond? Well, I want to do something. I'm going to show a video. And we're not quite ready for that, so we're going to do it again in a minute. Hopefully we've got sound now. But I told you I was going to talk about the little drummer boy. But see, God created each of you, and he did it on purpose. And what we've come to believe often in the church is that we're all created to serve on a committee or do one of three or four jobs in a church. If we go to church, we should do these things. But God created you uniquely. 
with skills and with abilities from dancing to ukulele as they're learning. I bet you they'll improve if they come back next year. To serving one another in need, to helping with administration, to being artistic. And I thought, man, I love that little song, Little Drummer Boy. Why? Because the drummer boy says, all I have to give is a drum. I can play my drum and I can worship God. So my response is, if God is with us, are we with him? And I want you to watch a video and I want you to say, would I be willing to be as creative and as out of the box as this group? This is going to be a different version of um, Little Drummer Boy than you've seen before. But I want you to ask yourself the question, in my life, am I saying, God, use me? Let me be who you've molded and shaped me to be. We're not going to watch the whole, whole thing, but let's watch a moment of it. I could let you watch the whole thing, but there's two narratives that I want you to pay attention to 
in that song. One is the narrative of the song itself. A little boy sees all these people giving all these gifts and he says, they've got all this to offer. What have I got? Often we come to Christ saying, you're so limited. If I follow Jesus, I have to do this, this, and this. And Jesus is saying, follow me with all of your life, with all of your creativity, with all of you, and use it for me. The second is the narrative of that group that wrote this version of that song. It's two brothers, and oddly enough, they're Kiwis. And amazing, what they did is if you pay really close attention to that video, all of the percussionists play at least two instruments in the song. Further, these two brothers have so been enraptured by the truth of God with us that they have changed their entire lives to say, Lord, help us to teach people how to be creative with who God has called me to be. They've made a movie, it's called Priceless, that tries to address the need of sexual slavery, specifically in America. They've said, let's be creative and let's teach the world how to worship Jesus together. And let's not do it the way we've always done it. But let's be the people of God. You see, when you know God is with you, you are set free to exalt him however he has created you to be. I got to do something really fun on Thursday this week. I wrote Melissa. Normally I I work on my sermon and I stay at home because it's silent. And I texted her, can you squeeze in an hour for your husband? I have to make appointments with her. She's busy. She lives in Hong Kong. And sure enough, she said, okay. Well, actually she said, what do you want to do? Sorry, I forgot to ask your permission, but you would have said no. And so I said, well, I'm going to take you somewhere. And we're going to look. And what many don't know is that part of Melissa's testimony is God has given her a desire to help people engage in worship with our newborn king. And she wants to do all she can to worship him. But she'd never gotten a chance to pick out her own guitar. So I picked her up and I said, let's go. And we drove over to Tom Lee and we spent what was supposed to be an hour and it was a little bit longer. And I think she played what felt like 40 guitars. And she picked out one. And she said, it's that one. Which is so good that she picked it out because I would have picked out a very different one and it would have been so wrong. But see, in all of this story, why did she want the new guitar? Not that she thought it was cool and amazing. It is. But because she wants to help people enjoy glorifying God by the abilities he has given her. And she wants to use that. So my question for you today, are you with God? If you're with God, what then shall we say in response? If God is for us, who can be against us? There is nothing greater, Paul says, than knowing Jesus Christ our Lord. He is with you. May you go out into Christmas time being confident that he is with you. Maybe you won't get that gift you wanted, but you were given the greatest gift of all. God with us, Emmanuel, and we can be satisfied in him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you indeed are with us. Thank you for the truth of your word that reminds us you've always been with us and you always will be with us and you are here right now in this place. So as we go out, may we offer to you whatever we can and say it's yours. In your name I pray, amen.